Echo, you gotta have an echo. Dove notes. No, no, no. We're gonna like have a, a fake Metallica bumper music in here. Huh. So weird, man. Software. And there goes the five people that were listening. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Tony. And I am Roland. And we're here fighting technical difficulties, as we often do at the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable studios here tucked in the bunker from the COVID and the social unrest in America. Deep, deep down 12 Z layers underground in America. Yes, yes. That is where the studios are located. And uh, there are child dwarves playing outside uh, my uh, uh, fortification opening in the side of my wall here. So I apologize if they come through. Lock the door. <laughs> oh, so how's it been, guys? Hey, eventful. Well, you know, as eventful as a fortress can be, right? Yep. Fortress America. Oh, we're not going to do. We're not going to get political. Never mind. <laughs> so I've got. A couple of interesting happenings. So my animals being convicted of crimes thing, hilarious. Uh, unintended, unintended consequences from that. And then, I don't know, maybe you guys have seen this before, but as I loaded up the fortress, I saw DF Hack running a script, and the very first thing it did was listed out the names of eight dwarves, and then it says, Fat Dwarves Cured Eight. So for some some things going on in Dwarf Fortress where it's curing my fat dwarves, and um, I find that interesting. I I need that. <laughs> I need no. to get in that DF hack stream. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> What's it doing? And they're necromancers. Do they get fat? I don't know. I just have more questions. I didn't even think they ate. Not. It, it sounds weird, but also very dwarfy. Curing. <laughs> so... It looks like there was a bug at some point, and of course, Bay 12 is not answering, so I can't look at the bug log. But um, but yeah, it looks like there was some sort of a problem with wasted CPU and fat dwarves. So I guess Dwarf Fortress when DF Hack cures them for you automatically, which is, it says, um, the lag is caused by an interaction of two factors. When the unit's fat amount crosses a 2,500 boundary, its clothing insulation is recomputed. Fat is capped at, it looks like a million, which is divisible by 2,500. The result is that for every unit at a million fat with digestion counteractive, it recomputes insulation every frame. Holy moly. Okay, wow. That is, <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah, it seems like something that, that you could do maybe every 10th frame to, to bring back the, uh, the processor usage. Oh my gosh! What a wonderful, wonderful bug! It was new. To, it was news to me. Um, the fort's, you know, doing quite well. But um, I am, I am excited to see how it. Uh, yeah, how, how that, how that makes it, you know, play out. Um, it's an interesting fort. It's been going on a while, so I still got frames per second that aren't going out of control. You know, it's still playable, so that's exciting too. My forts usually die after about ten years because of FPS death. I've not seen that particular thing happen before, but I have seen whenever I start up uh, Dwarf Fortress and DF Hack uh, rolls up that it does do things like uh, like cleans things. It gets rid of extra nodes and uh, and does, you know, it's basic cleanup 
that uh, that it does whenever it starts up to try to make things be uh, more um, uh, optimized, if you will. So how are the uh, how how's everybody's forts going? I haven't I haven't had a ton of time to put into mine, but um, I, I've kind of kept it ticking along, and it's eleven years old, twelve years old, I guess, and uh, it's still it's still basically now it's a necromancer fort. And, you know, anyone who comes eventually succumbs to the ways of the necromancer. And what I found really interesting is I've got a vampire in the fort that I've been trying to find for four years, I guess, and haven't had a lot of luck with that. No one's really eating or drinking because I guess necromancers don't eat or drink. So the vampire hasn't really been killing anyone, which is curious. Maybe they don't eat necromancers. Anyway, lots of questions. Yeah, I kind of still think that uh, that the interactions of the necromancers might not be exactly what he was looking for from the beginning. I think that they may be dominating fortresses in a in an indifferent way than he expected. You know, what I mean is, is they're not necessarily bad things. They're not good things. They're just things. But it uh, they, they seem to be more important to your fortress than maybe they they were planned to be. They're everywhere. Yeah, I wonder about that because, I mean, it, for, particularly in this fortress, I had, I had purposely set up by a, a necromancer tower that I was able to raid regularly, and then I kept stealing books and stealing more books and stealing more books. I think I just had a really good thief in my, in my ranks. So we were just basically plundering this this fortress of all of its treasures to the tower. So it has absolutely nothing left, um, and is and then we destroyed it, we raised it. So that was exciting. So now we're the necromancer tower, I guess, because it's a hundred and seventy one population fort with basically all necromancers. And now we're the head of the civilization of the dwarfs that we're in, which is exciting. Uh, so yeah, it's it's. I guess it's going well. I just. Hadn't really anticipated it being a necromancer fort, but, but here we are. <laughs> well, and and Roland posted something about uh, necromancers as well to the to the to the podcast channel. Whenever I heard him talking about the to- uh, Toady One talking about uh, uh, necromancers, I had the feeling that it was going to be something that was going to be challenging your fortresses, and that it was something to be avoided. They were the, going to be the, the bad guys and probably the people who instigated the villain plot lines. Well, the villain plot lines don't seem to be taking the forefront. The necromancer as fish cleaner do seem to be taking the forefront in, uh, into a fortress right now. So. The necromancer is fish cleaner. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting. And I, I, was, I was also starting to wonder because I played, I started this one in an evil biome or a purple biome. Right. Because, you know, why not? And so this is the farthest I've played into that type of biome. Um, fortunately, it doesn't look like it's a reanimating biome. But yeah, I think necromancers are kind of easier to play because they certainly, I guess, don't eat or drink very much. So that part of it's not too challenging. Um, and they, they're pretty good at combat. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So yeah, I, I feel like this could be something that may be addressed in a patch because um, it, it's fun. But do we need it? And I'm not also sure that they use bedrooms or sleep because I've got lots of bedrooms and no one's cleaning them. So, huh? Interesting. Yeah. So we're very productive. I just started up a fortress and 
uh, let DF hack kick up. So what it says when it rolls up for me is after it says DF hack is ready. Have a nice day. Uh, it says, um, unit transparency enabled auto nest box stopped units removed from active zero emptied zero buckets, unstuck zero doors. So whenever it starts up, uh, it uh, apparently goes through some routines to make sure everything's ship shape in your, uh, in your fortress and gets rid of things that are, that are don't matter. Uh, for for you know program cleanup state so i bet you that that you know fixing fat dwarves is one of those things i just only have 17 dwarves so none of them are overly fat right now so they're all starving so and i've got somebody in mind who has a really long name uh and is i ran curse check on them and they are older they're 31 years older than the world um and they're a zombie and the name that they're given in DF hack doesn't relate to the, any of the names of the dwarves in my fort. So I suspect it's somebody that's not being totally truthful about who they are. But I can't figure out who it is, which is really fascinating. I've never had. I don't even know what a zombie is and how we can't tell. Which is interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. What causes zombies, if anything? Or do they just get created as zombies in world gen? Yeah, I don't know. I've got one, and it says the person's called Duca Ilf Ilf Pispol, Baron Consort of Drinkscape Mummy. What? <laughs> Who is that? What, what's a mummy? What's a- uh, yo, if it's a mummy, then uh, it's actually a non-necromancer-related uh, thing. It may be just a normal historical figure that died in a battle or otherwise and got um, a tomb built and then got encased in, you know, a sarcophagus and put in a tomb and stuff. But I somewhere read a bug in the very newest version of, like, the evil, evil update that uh, sometimes mummies now get out of their tomb and just start wandering the wilds. Uh, which should not happen because, you know, the mummy is dead and it's supposed to be dead and it's only supposed to come out if you are in the tomb breaking things and, and like, mixing things up, trying to steal stuff. Then the mummy comes out. This mummy is definitely alive. He's married to somebody in the fort and they have three children. Oh my The mummy is an ardent worshipper of this, <laughs> this type of god. Um, a couple different gods. He's members of lots of different groups and doesn't take a lot of joy in listening to poetry, but listens to a lot of poetry. So it is it is really an interesting thing that's happening here. Something else I've never seen. Yeah, he's bohemian, but he's not really into it. He also dreams of ruling the world, which is fascinating. So yeah, and yeah. a barren consort. Okay. <laughs> Um, but it is a dwarf, not a human or like an animal or something. It doesn't. It's a medium-sized creature prone to great ambition. Okay. Yeah, that that is very interesting. I do imagine like the mummy actually being a comic book mummy, you know, <laughs> with like TP all over it. Yes. Um, and everybody is like, oh, hey, hey, neighbor, what up? <laughs> Well, as long as you give this guy blueberry wine, it seems like he's happy. But he listens to poetry and just talks trash and gets in arguments about it. Which, you know, okay. All right, then. 
You do you, buddy. So it's an it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting fortress. This one, um, I've I've kind of archived it because I may want to go back to it after I destroy it and see how see some of this stuff again. So Roland, you found a bug in your fortress dealings this this last two weeks, right? Yes, uh, that's actually what happened yesterday, and it only took maybe an hour or an hour and a half. So it was a very very short fortress. It started very simple. I had the intention of abandoning my cheese fortress for a while and making a fortress that is a bit more into military stuff. For that purpose, I got a bit closer to a tower. But I didn't even get that far because in the very first migrant wave, I got uh, necromancers from my first necromancer fort, if you remember, like a, oh, a while back. Awesome. And also werewolves from the very same fortress. Oh. Um, because I had, I think I had like four people uh, walked in into my hospital because they were werewolves and two of them actually got uh, to my new fortress. I don't know how they got out, but hey. So, the first thing that happened was the werewolves eradicate half of my already existing civilians, and the necromancers trying to defend themselves resurrect stuff. So far, so good. But it basically ended up uh, with the necromancers getting infected with uh, the werebull curse, then dying, getting resurrected by another uh, necromancer, <laughs> and some of the necromancers started to have the um, like a special resurrection uh, power in which they don't only resurrect a normal being but make the being a wasting corpse. Um, and for some reason uh, resurrected necromancers and wasting corpses seem to contain the intelligence so they're like liches which is really bad because you know I, I sometimes I had like two civilians left sometimes I had 16 then 4 again then 25 because they kept dying getting resurrected and then still counting as my civilians well so far so good um, my FPS jumped out of my window at some point, and I had between <laughs> one and five FPS the whole time. Oh, um, I feel like that's a glitch then, huh? That that you've hit a bug, yeah. basically. Dang it. I hate it when yeah. that happens. But, but now we, we get to the juicy parts of this, because the necromancer, resurrection, wasting corpse, whatever kept stacking it actually stacked on each other so it wasn't just a single like corpse zombie it i i made a picture of that in the legends viewer and it's really ridiculous because they are now called dwarf necromancer wearable animated corpse animated corpse animated corpse animated corpse animated corpse animated it goes on for a while uh -oh. It goes on. This is how my entities um, got 
a extremely weird description because everything had like 10 to 25 animated corpses in there. And you know what? What's even worse about that is like the status effects kept stack, uh, stacking. Um, because I've noticed that they are really strong. Like those werewolves didn't give, uh, didn't even got hit. And even if they got hit, they didn't really care. They just went on and went on and went on. So I started a dwarf therapist and oh no, they had a billion endurance. I'm not even joking here. They had literally, literally a billion. Yes. They oh had my. literally a billion endurance. <laughs> and uh, they, they weren't that strong. They weren't that agile. Like, they were boosted quite a bit. Okay. But they had a, a billion endurance. Literally a one and nine zeros. <laughs> so <sighs> I guess that that one should probably be reported. I think so. Do you still yeah. have the save by chance? Yes, I do have the save. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I ended the fortress so I could um, start up Legends Viewer, but it's it's basically still there, and I have a lot of dwarf wearable necromancers now, and they have like the Webbeast Curse, a secret under resurrection, uh, and another secret rest power. Also, um, because they kept killing and resurrecting each other, I have a dude that has 1,898 notable kills oh, made God. in less than two months in my fortress. Victory. Um, yeah. A friend of mine, actually, I streamed it. A friend of mine kept watching it with me. And that fortress was such... A, ah, I don't even have any words because basically over 260 dwarves came to my fortress and died in that fortress um, because I Oof. I have to admit I might have kept spamming migrants now on DFAC but <laughs> still I wanted to clean out like my, my very tiny fortress, my starting fortress of corpses. So I wanted more migrants. But then it spiraled back because I still had a few wearables in my hospital. And they came back, infected like the rest of them. And uh, Yeah, Roland, uh, Roland has himself set up here with an Eli Roth movie. Roland's Dwarf Fortress Hostel. <laughs> where... You have migrants that are drawn into your fortress just to be brutally murdered by necromancers and then re yeah. reanimated, then brutally murdered, then reanimated, then brutally yeah. murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't my attention. And I feel really horrible about it. But Whoopsie. honestly <laughs> Honestly, th this is so weird. It is so weird. And I yes, I still have to uh, put it on the on the on the bug tracker but so oof. so even even if the the interaction between the necromancers uh is something that Tony one might shrug off it is definitely a bug for the creature type 
to have 45 animated corpses appended to the end of it. So, you know, if it gets animated again, he should probably check to see if it already has animated corpse in its in its creature type name and not add another one. <laughs> If, if it it's is not only so, it is yes that is correct but it's yeah. not only about the name it's also about the fact that the very uh skills and such and characteristics kept stacking until i literally hit a billion endurance and yeah um this stacking thing that is the main bug uh, because you know, I mean, necromancers reanimating each other. Okay, well, that, that that's also a bit of a bug, but it's really more of a loyalty cascade starting thing because they are confused about their loyalties. Um, mm. Yeah, but like, ooh, weird well, we should, we should uh, take an audio clip of this part of this episode of the podcast and attach that to your bug report so that uh, so that. You can describe it to Toady. <laughs> what a funny one. Yeah, that's really weird. It's really weird. My fortress that I had talked about last week or two weeks ago, there was this, there was this maze of uh of of walls that the caravan had to go through to get to the to the main entrance of the fortress. And that was on purpose. I had a couple drawbridges to, to protect the fortress in case of an uh, invasion. And it had worked. And it's probably was going for like four or five years and the caravans had no problem at all getting to the trade depot. But this time they got about halfway through the little maze of walls and it just stopped. And I talked with my uh, outpost liaison and made, you know, our trade agreement and all that stuff. But they just sat there and they sat there until the game said that it was time for them to leave. So they never actually made it now somebody took stuff and put it into the trade depot and i don't know if they carried it from the wagons to the trade depot or, or how that worked or maybe some of them were just carrying stuff on their back but the actual wagons never made it to the trade depot and when they left they left their wagons to try to see if i could get the the wagons out of there i just had my squads kill off the wagon people the caravan traders <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't a very nice thing to do, but, you know, it's a game. That didn't get the wagons out of there. The wagons ended up staying. Did you get to take the stuff or what? Yeah, <laughs> once I claimed it. Yeah, once I uh, took it off of, yeah, you can change everything to claim. Whenever you floated over a, a tile, there was like stacks and stacks of stuff on that particular tile, the stuff that was still on the wagon. So, yeah, I claimed it all. So I found something um, which is interesting uh, in finding out who my vampires are. Um, I was raiding and I put suspected vampires in a military squad. And then I've just seen um, that, you know, it says in the early summer of 261, the history of tree was stolen from profane mountain by the dwarf vampire. And then it lists his name. So I'm like, oh, I didn't know it did that. Is it supposed to do that? Is it supposed to tell me who it is? Because that was pretty cool. I guess my mystery's solved now. <laughs> Notes, notes, notes. It's time for Dev Notes. <laughs> so we had Dev Notes published on the 27th of May, and it seems to be more of the same. Uh, we are getting pictures of their work on uh, the new Steam release, and this time they showed us what uh, some of the larger workshops are going to look like. 
when they say large workshops, do they have workshops that take up uh, more than the three by three tiles? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, um, siege really? workshop. It's pretty big. And, and the kennel. Which one? The, the, oh, kennel? the kennel. Yep, yep, yep. That's right. The siege workshop and the kennel are the two that I knew of. I have never built either of these things. Oh, the kennel's good fun. Siege Workshop I did in this fort because I was doing the whole, well, everything's working. What should I do next? Um, and so I built a Siege Workshop with Siege Weapons, which I've never done before. And it's pretty so that's cool. how you build ballistas? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we got the uh, Siege Workshop and kennel uh, little pictures. So that's neat looking. And also Minecraft. Not, not, dang it, I did it again. <laughs> i <gotta> stop that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're gonna get no. sued. Minecart pictures, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and you can find that on um, Bay Twelve Day Bay Twelve Games dot com. Day Twelve uh, Games. Bay Twelve Games dot com slash dwarves. So, will minecart tracks go downstairs, or do you have to channel out ramps? Uh oh, we've lost him. What was that there? No, no, no. I was just mumbling because I actually have no idea. Um, I think you have to make rams, but honestly, I don't touch minecarts anymore because uh, I end up with dead dwarves every single time. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. So, but we do have pictures of minecarts and uh, pictures of uh, of large workshops, and so I think I don't know that there's much more to say about development this time. Nope, I think there. it looks like it's all uh, it's all graphic based right now, and I'm sure it'll be graphic so we can connect it to Steam soon. I feel like it it looks like it's progressing very quickly, so I'm I'm optimistic for summer. Steam yep. release. This summer, yeah? Yeah, yeah I think I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling this summer. Maybe the end. Maybe by August. But I'm, I'm feeling it. I think it's moving really fast. And also, I think probably just anxious to get it out the door so he can start the next bit, which is the stuff that he really wants to be working on. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish for summer. M- mid, um, middle August uh, would be a nice... Um, birthday present for me but honestly mm, mm, yeah, I'd what's say, your birthday? Huh? I'm, I'm August 6th um, 17 ah, cool um, but I'd say late autumn this year to early winter yeah right in the middle of the second wave of COVID that'll be cool yeah. that'll give us something to do when we're locked down again that'll be fun There we are, yeah. Bloodlines next. Da, 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 da. So I actually finished my year on the Bloodline Fortress. <laughs> so I have a quick question here, guys. Whenever I zip up a folder to to pass on the save for the Bloodline Fortress, what folder precisely do I need to uh, create a zip of? Do I do the entire save that has all of the regions in my worlds? Yeah. Or do I yep. just do okay just to save yeah okay so my bad you're going to end up with a uh with more than one world in this save because 
Well, you can just give us the world too. Like if you've got, if you go into data and then save um, Mm -hmm. current, there's current and then there's region one and then region two, region three, region four, like if you've generated multiple worlds. So you could just, because otherwise when we start, we won't necessarily know which one is the bloodline for it. There's only one that has a, an active fortress in it, though. That's the bloodline. Fortress. I but, see. Okay, so I have current region one and region two. Unfortunately, so you can just region give us region two, one. Well, actually, region two is the one that has the bloodline in it. Oh, okay, just then I think you can just zip region two, and we can shove it in our yeah. saves folder, and it should be good to go. And then okay. um, it it doesn't really care what the name of the uh, name of the folder is. No, I don't think so. No, no, it doesn't. We'll figure okay. it out when we put it in. So let me go ahead and. I'll zip that right now while we're in the podcast. Look, it is magic. And who's up to bat next? We didn't really decide last time, but uh, we said what basically finished it off with whatever. <laughs> so uh, here, I'm going to flip a coin. Taking heads. Actually, I'm going to flip an SD card. So heads, <laughs> it goes to Roland. <laughs> Tails, it goes to Tony. It goes to Roland. Oh, okay, nice. Rock and Roland. Also put the link in the show notes so that anyone who wants to can download the save and play along with us if they so wish. There's not much going on in the fortress right now. I've got uh, it's, uh, 17 dwarves. There are bedrooms claimed for all of them. I have the manager and the bookkeeper have their offices set up with, with their own beds and uh, and furniture in their offices so that they don't have to actually go anywhere. And I do have a tavern set up that is near the offices of the the bookkeeper and manager but not much else is happening i've i've got a you know the trade depot i do have a lever and a drawbridge that closes up the main entrance and that's the only entrance to the fortress right now so but that was as i learned last time the first thing i did was get ourselves a uh, some some fortress security not much but there's a little bit there. I've also got the chickens and the pigs in their own pens. Plus, there's the outside animals who need actual food, and they have they are in their uh, their pasture. So, so we're ready to turn it into a necromancer fort for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or a, or a beast. <laughs> so that's it for wire thin, wire thins, wire thins. The plural is on the end, so it's wire thins. The dwarven snack. Or isn't that what they spin adamantine in too? Don't they spin it into thin wire? That's right. Strands. That's right. So so I guess our next after we get some fortress security built up, I guess that we should start doing some exploratory digging and see if we can find an adamantine spire. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> do you mean after defensive measures? Like do it now. Yeah, well okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we only have seventeen dwarves. We don't really have enough to uh to, to do a, a proper uh, squad yet. So. That's enough for clown management. You'll be fine. Less dwarves, less dead people. That's true. Yeah, yeah exactly. This is why point. we need the necromancers. So as the, as the clowns kill, then we can keep raising oh. them. <laughs> I had thought that I had really smashed one of our dwarves. Well, see, whenever I set up the lever for the for the bridge and attached it, the lever is like two floors below the, uh, the, the drawbridge. Oh, I also set up a... Uh, burrow so that in case someone attacks the fortress you can ever we can get everybody inside and it pretty much encompasses the entire uh fortress at this point so they can get to food they can get to workshops they can basically live their lives as they would normally have done it's just that they're going to be restricted to inside but anyway so after i hooked up the drawbridge to the lever 
I opened up the drawbridge and it, you know, blocked a dwarf that was just standing right outside it. And, you know, it says, oh, he's lost his path to his stockpile so he can't put the wood in there like he was doing whenever he started. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I need to go ahead and flip that switch again. So I flipped the switch and then I go back up to the first level to see to watch the drawbridge open, and I realized that I didn't check to make sure that that dwarf was no longer standing right on the other side of the drawbridge. So by the time I got to the first Z-level, the ground-level Z-level, that dwarf was no longer there, and the drawbridge was open. But I did go to to my units and checked, and we had no dead or missing dwarves. So I guess he didn't die. Um... Well, well, you see, a smashed dwarf is not really dead because it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it blows, it obliterates them from the game completely. Yeah, and and missing just takes like a week in game to realize like that somebody is actually missing. Huh. Well, count the number of dwarves that have uh, that have nicknames and. <laughs> If there is less than seven, then that means that that I accidentally killed one of our dwarves. <laughs> Adam smashed it, disintegrated it. Yeah, that's sent the it spirit. to the netherworld. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so maybe I did kill it. Who knows? We'll find out on the next episode of <laughs> Wire Thins. Topic of the day: the neat little interaction that you had tony with your uh conviction of a duck oh no yeah so how did this come about tony yeah so we'd been having a lot of plots and things getting stolen and um i'd i'd finally kind of worked out through counterintelligence who was doing what and so i was like all right you're going to jail because i don't like you and so i had meant to convict one of the elves that had come in and it's some entertainment troupe but I accidentally scrolled past it and convicted an animal and that really really upsets the dwarves um apparently they don't like seeing animals get convicted which I didn't know uh so I got in a couple of different places them describing their 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 displeasure with this so one of them that I thought was the funniest said she was disgusted after an animal was convicted of a crime so I thought that was hilarious I'd never seen that happen before so the moral of the story is don't convict animals of crimes because it pisses everybody off. So your conviction is not something that happens with a jury of their peers. It is something that you do, that you do, you yeah. do as, the, as the fortress runner. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So how do they justify that? So does that mean that we're the god here? I, I don't know. Well, I think that goes without saying my role i felt like my role changed a lot in that in that very moment when i could start convicting people's pets of crimes if they pissed me off i would think that it would be something like the sheriff would be the person the dwarf to convict them if they felt that it was a strong enough evidence or what have you yeah no i think they i think the intent is that he wants you to play through all the different scenarios of convicting and putting together the stuff in the plots and i have to say i'm i'm still a bit of a you know, a, a bit green around the edges here, trying to figure out how some of the counterintelligence stuff works and how to tie together the plots. And it's a little cumbersome trying to like scroll through, you know, all of the living and dead in the fort to try to find the one person you interview. Uh, so, so that part of the interface, I I would love to see streamlined a little bit, but um, 
but yeah, it's, it's cool. But I think the idea is, is that you sort of work through it and figure out what's going on. I guess you can also ignore it if you want. <laughs> you can, if you are happy seeing your artifacts get yoinked from the, from the fort. That's a good point. That's a good point. I can't bear it. I can't let them steal. So my plan has been to just try to eradicate all the other settlements that aren't friendly to me. So we are changing up some of the uh, the way that the podcast is organized. It's pretty much going to still have all the same content that it has had before, except uh, we're going to try to add a little bit more structure to it. And as part of that uh, reorganization, one of the things that we're experimenting with doing, and we're not sure how well it's going to work yet, but I have set up a voicemail number that you as listeners can call. And on our website, uh, dfroundtable.com, there's a link at the header and answer a few questions with a, you know, five to ten, five to 10 second answer. And those blurbs will uh, the idea is for them to go into the bumper music between sections. Again, uh, that's going to be on the web page. By the time this gets released, it will be there. You can link to it. It will have the questions that we would like you to answer. And you can use leave your name if you want to. We're most likely not going to be putting that on. It's just going to be kind of anonymous voices. The number is 417-312-9453. Alas, this is not toll-free. Long distance or carrier charges may apply. Please be aware of this, especially if you call from outside the United States, or if your phone calls accrue charges. And remember, Dwarf Fortress rocks. That is the voicemail number for Dwarf Fortress Roundtable's experimental bumper blurbs line. So 417-312-9453. If you didn't catch that, again, it is at dfroundtable.com. And look in the header of the webpage, and you'll see a link that tells you all about it, including the questions that we would like you to answer that kind of fit the the segments of the show that we're going to be putting that into. So should I put out a disclaimer here that any audio that gets recorded and put on the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable audio experimental blurb line becomes the property of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable and no compensation is made. And well, here's the deal. So, yeah. <laughs> if you call in, you're probably... And it and we like it. We're probably going to put it on the podcast, and all thirteen people that are listening will hear your voice. How's that? That's my yep. cut to the chase. Yeah. All right. Ten tens of people may hear you. Yes. I last time I checked, we did have fourteen listeners. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I think that though that they're counting both my phone and my computer, so it may actually be thirteen. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, okay, but, but but wait. To find listeners, uh, do you mean like followers or generally people that listen? Well, here's the deal with podcast statistics. We don't really have any way to know how many people have subscribed because that's a passive thing. There is what they do to subscribe is they put the link to the RSS feed into their um, into their podcast catcher. And whenever we have a podcast download, we have no way of knowing whether it was through a podcast aggregator or, or sorry, an RSS feed, or if it was someone who just clicked on it to listen to it. Now, we do have the statistics about uh, the individual kinds of things that are listening to it, whether it be, you know, iTunes app or uh, Antenna Pod, or they're listening to it on a particular browser. But whether or not they're subscribed, we don't have any way to really know. 
that said, based on the number of downloads that happen each week, uh, you know, it's kind of stabilized. We had a really nice uh, bump up whenever Toady and Zach were on, but uh, it it came down after that, which we expected that it would. And we're back down to somewhere around 14 people who download every week, we figure. But we don't know for sure that they're the same 14 people. Yep, that works. We have Alexi Peppers with us now, and oh, welcome, welcome back, Alexi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good, good to be back, friend of the podcast. Yeah, they canceled Roguelike back in was it March? Well, it normally runs in October, and it is actually still running the same time as usual. So we had talked about so some, some stuff there. So this year, I'm actually helping organize Roguelike Celebration, where in the past I have been a speaker and attendee. Uh, I was actually remembering it was last year's roguelike celebration where I had just been on this podcast and I told um, Tarn about it. And that led to him being on, he and, he and Zach being on the podcast, which was yeah. awesome. It was great. Yeah. Awesome so that's guys. the kind of stuff that happens at roguelike celebration. And we really didn't want to cancel it altogether, but it's still at this point, and, and basically back in March, it was already unclear what would be the situation in October in the Bay Area. So what we decided was that instead of trying to risk our luck in terms of acting like it could go ahead in a physical place and then maybe having to cancel, we would just uh, make the decision then to go fully digital. So we are a fully digital conference this year, which a lot of other tech conferences and games conferences have been doing. But I'm actually quite excited about it because I think it, it's a cool opportunity because like you, for example, have not been able to go to Roguelike Celebration because San Francisco's, you know... Tricky to get to, expensive to stay in. Yep. yep. Yeah, so the hope is that this year it's actually going to be... We've always had live-streamed uh, talks, and we've actually, like last year, had a live captioner, so we've tried to involve people in the community who couldn't physically be in San Francisco. But this year, since it's entirely digital, it's an extra opportunity. And so, yeah, I, I basically asked to come in and talk about that a little bit, since I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are the type of people who, A would be interested in tuning in in October, the 3rd and 4th of October specifically. But we also are currently taking submissions for talks. And this is one of these cool things where previously speaking meant that you probably had to try and come to San Francisco, though sometimes we had live streamed kind of talks from abroad. But now anyone anywhere can talk because it's going to be recorded and live streamed. So I would really encourage people, if you have an idea, we do lightning talks, which are only 10 minutes long. So you can have something kind of short. People have shown off little demos of games they've made, or I gave a talk on chaos theory and procedural generation. And then we have 30 minute slots where that's where, you know, we've had Tarn come and talk about Dwarf Fortress, but we've also had uh, like a biologist come and talk about slime molds. Like it's always really great that the topic selection at roguelike celebration is very broad it's not just people who make you know big successful roguelikes like dwarf fortress it's also people who are part of the community or just have something interesting to talk about so right right yeah so if, if anyone wants to to submit a submit a, a paper how would they go about doing that yeah if you go to roguelike.club so that would be r-o-g-u-e-l-i-k-e dot club uh, c-l-u-b then you are on the page for Roguelike Celebration. You could probably also just Google Roguelike Celebration, honestly. And we have a little tab for the Celebration 2020. And right at the top of that, there'll be a button to submit a talk proposal. And you have until the end of June 
And it doesn't need to be fully complete at the time that you submit it. If you have your idea and you know what you want to talk about, then that's enough and we can kind of help you from there. And there's also actually even going to be opportunities for mentorship um, from myself and Jim Shepard, who's another great, great speaker at Rogue Lake Celebration. So if you haven't given a talk before and you're kind of not sure about it, then there's an opportunity that uh, Jim and I would be helping you out to turn your idea into a talk. So definitely encourage people to talk about whatever they're interested in. If you're not sure if it's a good idea or not, go ahead and submit it and we can help you out. Um, we have some examples there. And the other cool thing that we're doing this year that's new is that on that theme of it being fully digital and involving more of the community, we have these kind of little mini submissions for if you maybe want to take part but don't have a full talk in mind. So one of those is a vendor bazaar, which is everyone loves swag. Uh, you get socks every year at Roguelike Celebration, and they're the best, <laughs> but we can't really just like email people socks. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're finding people who are making art or zines or you know selling jewelry on etsy or anything that's kind of roguelike themed and are going to be hosting a link to that through this kind of virtual bazaar so conference attendees can be getting their swag from people in the community so if you make dwarf fortress hair clips or coasters or you know anything like that that you'd like to to share or if you do art that you'd like to be able to share then there's a link to uh, submit that, and then we'd be hope happy to host it as part of this kind of virtual bazaar. I've actually made Dwarf Fortress hair clips out of <laughs> perler beads, which I think I only wear when I go to roguelike celebration. <laughs> Make them out of uh, copper or adamantine or, or oh, yeah. basalt. <laughs> uh -huh, an adamantine hair clip of the highest quality. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So for for attendees to the conference, is there a uh, is there a registration fee? Uh, I don't believe so. I think that might get worked out. If it is, it would be a, just a kind of small thing, but there might not be one at all. You can kind of keep an eye out because usually we sell tickets for attending and that comes with a t-shirt and some uh -huh. stuff like that. This year, since it's digital, we're still kind of sorting that out because there isn't a physical space, but we are actually like this year providing an honorarium for our speakers, which we haven't done before. So. Slightly too BD. Uh, keep an eye out. It, cool. it may or may not require a ticket this year on account of being digital. Even if it is, it'll probably be like really cheap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also so if you've made a game and you're interested, if you have some kind of roguelike, doesn't have to be a big one. We're looking to showcase projects like that. And we're also collecting some kind of stories from the community. So one of that is your kind of campfire stories of yet another stupid death or how you got your dad to try Dwarf Fortress or how you failed to get your friends to play Dwarf Fortress or kind of collecting little stories that we can share and give people a chance to talk about. So, you know, Dwarf Fortress is a generator of many stories of fun that I think would be fantastic to share. Yep, and those will be kind of grouped together. So I'd love that. And we're also making a cookbook, which is something I'm particularly excited about. I was thinking last night about how you can make a plump helm roast, something to do with beets, I think. Some kind of beet and mushroom roast. With a mosquito brain glaze. Yeah, I was thinking you need the prepared mosquito brains for sure. So if, right. if you, intrepid listener, have an idea of a recipe for prepared mosquito brains, uh, all of these are things that you can submit on the website, and we're going to be grouping them together. Uh, I know for sure that the cookbook will have a recipe for plump helm wine, because we're going to include all of the cocktail recipes from the previous roguelike celebrations, which last year there was a 
um, plum helmet wine, which was quite delicious. Really? Yeah. Oh, that just sounds so nasty. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It was basically just sangria, but I <laughs> ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. But I know my partner Kawa is trying to think of a way to involve mushrooms somehow, and I'm curious if they'll find something that is still appealing. Yeah, so check that out. Uh, check it out, roguelike.club. I would love to have as many kind of Dwarf Fortress-themed ideas and representation in there as possible. And all of those submission forms also have an email to get in touch with the organizers like myself or submit freeform ideas if you want to like write music or have a puppet show about dwarves. We're so open to that. So yeah, whatever ideas you have, get in touch. We'd love to have you. And that first weekend of October is when the event will take place. So tune in for dwarfy goodness and many other roguelikes all right well thanks so much for stopping by alexi yeah no thanks for so much for having me it's always good to be on the show so has anybody got else got anything that they'd like to cover on the um on the the podcast this week i think we got it everybody be safe be kind be hopeful and uh and be careful all right but anyway awesome. this is Dwarf fortress roundtable and we will catch you next time all right, guys. See you later. Goodbye. Until next time. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Q. Ellen and Folk Round are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more music from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at Bay12Games.com. If you'd like to help support Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, you can find us on Patreon. Links to all of these are in the show notes.